Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving today. Uh, I have the honor of introducing our speaker. Uh, he has been the lead pastor. He and his wife pastor the City Life Church in Tampa, Florida. Uh, they've been there for about 17 years, and uh, this church of about 100 people has grown to three or 4,000 people on the weekends. Uh, they are leading an incredible church. Uh, he is also serving as the second assistant general overseer of the Church of God. God has favored them. He is a visionary leader, a kingdom builder, a kingdom connector. Uh, So much favor on this ministry, and I say all that, but the most important thing I can say about it is he's also my friend, and it's truly an honor to have him in-house with us today here at Bethesda Church. So I'm going to ask that you guys do me a big, big favor, uh, that you would uh, welcome my friend right after this video rolls. As soon as it ends, I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to give Pastor Tony Stewart a big Bethesda welcome. Oh, come on. Put your hands together for Jesus today. Come on. He surely deserves all of the glory in this room. Anybody glad to be at church? Uh, Just remain standing with me for just a moment. I'm going to pray. I love to have you stand right at the beginning so I can make sure you're awake. And then if you're not, that's on me. Amen. Everybody glad to be here today? Now, I'm glad to be here. I will tell you this. When I left Tampa, it was a little bit warmer than West Virginia. Good news is you go back to Florida and it's all 80 degrees again. I'm so honored to be here. And let me just say to Pastor uh, Chad and Karen, um, thank you. Are you uh, grateful to have the gatekeepers of this house that you do? Now, listen, I travel almost every week. I'm in a different church. I'm in a different place. And I'm telling you, you have some of the best of the best. So I would tell you, celebrate them, honor them, because I find out what you honor, God allows you to keep. And uh, how many know there's a lot of people that would love to poach good coaches away? When you have the right ones, you need to honor them and love them. It's uh, awesome to see people on a platform. I'd love to be able to see them around a table. You know, me and Pastor Chad, we've been in, uh, we, we've been in um, prayer retreats together, Got, went on a raft together. You get five preachers on a whitewater raft, anything can happen. We've had a couple almost backslide, and, uh, but, you know, he just helped us navigate. And, um, but I am so honored to be here. I want to pray over you today. I want to speak to you for just a few moments from the subject, It's in the Bag. Father, I pray today believing that we're at the right place at the right time. I'm so thankful for my friends that lead this great ministry. And I pray that there would be a season of favor greater than they've ever seen. I pray today, Father, that you would speak to us. You would challenge us 
you would keep us. And Father, I pray today as we walk into your word, Father, it would come alive and we would leave this time together. Father, whether we're in this room today or at church online, I pray that this moment, Father, would be the catalyst, Father, to a greater season. Father, we bless you today and we bless your people in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. One more time, give God praise. You may be seated today. Let's jump to the book of Samuel today, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And as you go there, I just, again, thank you for hosting this week the Church of God Prayer Conference. And uh, it's a lot of work that goes into these events. So thank you for hosting, and it's going to be a great few days. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to look at the life of David today. And we find in chapter 16, God is sending the prophet to the house of Jesse. Because God said there's a kingly anointing on the house. How many of you believe there's an anointing on your house? Three of you. That's awesome. That is awesome. There, there is an anointing on your house today. And when you receive that and you believe it and you walk in it, anything is possible. Verse 10, then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the young men? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. So sent and brought him. Now when he came, he was ruddy, bright-eyed, and good-looking. I told the early service. Kind of reminds me of myself. He said, arise and anoint him, for he is the one. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're the one. Now look at your other neighbor, your second choice. Say, I'm the one. If you ever believe you're the one, it changes everything. It changes the way you get up in the morning. It changes the way you walk out your assignment. It changes the way you look at not only the blessings of your life, but the battles of your life. If you ever believe that God has this and God's not only got where you've been, but he's got where you're going. The good news is you serve a timeless and a spaceless God. You say, well, Pastor, what does that really mean? He's not bound by your calendar. He's not bound by your planner. He's not locked into your, your, those margins of day and night that we live in. He, just is, he, he abides in eternity, past, present, and future. He just is. That means he can step into your crazy now, cover your messed up yesterday, and declare your prophetic future all with one word. That's the kind of God we serve. Now, I've been able to travel. I, I, I counted them up, Pastor Chad. After I do this service, I will have preached 15 times in the last 18 days. 15 times in the last 18. And I've been everywhere. I've been to Mississippi. I've been to North Carolina. I've been to West Virginia. I've been to Florida. I've been to Tennessee. And I've been a little bit of everywhere, but I find that the same God has been represented everywhere I've been. The good news is that he isn't bound by style, geographical context, the makeup and the demographics of a room. But as he resides, his kingdom authority resides with him. And when you understand what is happening in this moment, we find that there's a young shepherd waiting in a field. Anybody been in a season of waiting? 
Maybe you're waiting on a promise, waiting on God to do something. I find the waiting room of life is one of the most difficult places to be. You ever been in a waiting room of a hospital waiting on a doctor to come out? The doctor that has the news about maybe your father, your mother, or a loved one. The one that has the answers. Anybody ever been in a waiting room of a mechanic shop? Waiting to find how much it's going to cost you? The waiting room of life sometimes is a lonely place. It's a place of isolation. But I find it's also many times a place of revelation. It's a place of transformation. It's a place of impartation. It's that place where God molds you and defines you and refines you and many times launches you. David is in the field waiting on God. And in the field on waiting, God begins to mold David. David begins to write in the field. He begins to, he begins to watch in the field. He begins to war in the field. And we find that in the moments of waiting, God is developing something in David. David is learning kingly protocol, not in the presence of Saul, but in the presence of the king of glory. David learned how to dance in the field, how to sing in the field, how to declare in the field, how to fight in the field. And when you realize everything in your journey has purpose, nothing in the kingdom is ever wasted. Everything matters. That's why he said, I take it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, to work it together for your good. Why you're called according to my purpose in the earth. And when you realize there's a purpose in you and you're here on purpose for purpose. There's a reason you're here. David's in the field. And I found it interesting. David's in the field talking to God about God. And while David is talking to God about God, God begins to talk to Samuel about David. I find out when you begin to talk to God about God, he talks to the right people. He talks to the right places. He talks to the right thing. And sometimes I get caught talking to things. I get caught talking to people. I get caught talking to places. And sometimes my attention needs to be vertical. And then God begins to work horizontal. I begin to tell, tell him things like this. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. I begin to talk to him how he is a covering and a shadow and a protection. I begin to talk to him how he is water. I begin to declare even when I was in the valley of the shadow of death, I feared no evil because you were with me you anointed my head with oil and my cup was running over you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies you gave me goodness and mercy to partner with me I found it interesting in that valley David got prophetic he began to rise up and look into the future and declare I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and forever and forever something happens when you talk to God about God He's in the field. And one day while in the field, they call for David. Because the prophet showed up at the house of Jesse with a horn of oil. Well, you have to realize a horn of oil represented two things, power and authority. There were different vats used to carry oil, and they all, all were symbolizing of other things. Some were for fuel for the temple. Others were healing balms of oil. But a horn of oil represented power and authority. And when, Saul, when he showed up in the house of Jesse with the horn of oil, they knew something significant was about to happen. The prophet showed up, and Samuel arrived because God said there's a kingly anointing and a king in the house. And he shows up, and, and Jesse lines up all the sons. From oldest down the line, the sons that had been trained in warfare, that would do warfare and battle for the king. And one by one, the Bible says, Samuel went down the line. But one translation said, but the oil did not pour. 
But he finally looks at Jesse and said, are there any other sons? And his father says this, yes, there's one, the youngest, but he watches the sheep. It wasn't an affirmation. It wasn't like he was saying, oh, man, he is talented and gifted. Man, wait till you meet David. He's got it together. No, he said, you know what? He just watches the animals. That's why it was so significant when shepherds were invited to the birth of Jesus. Because shepherds were never on the list for the invite. Because they smelled like the animals. They were dirty from the field. They were never at the top of the list. But when Jesus had a party, they said, let whosoever will come. We'll invite kings and we'll invite shepherds. We'll invite angels. There's a place for everybody. He said, you know, he's in the field watching sheep. Matter of fact, go through the line one more time. The Bible said the prophet declared this, sin for him, for we will not sit down until he comes. There's some things that will not rest until you walk into them. There's some anointings that are waiting for you. There are some blessings and moments of favor that are waiting for you. There are some things that will not rest. The father is holding those things and he is just waiting for you to walk through the right door. And when you walk through, something begins to happen and release in your life. David was summoned from the field he came in. The Bible said he walked through a door and the minute he walked through the door the Holy Spirit to the prophet declared this he said arise and anoint him for he is the one I'm telling you one door can change everything he walked in a shepherd but he was about to leave a king the Bible said when he walked in the Holy Spirit said he's the one and the Bible said in the midst of his brothers in the midst of the haters anybody in this room got any haters Oh, come on now. Oh, right over here. These, this group got a bunch of them over here. I'm going to preach on this side of the. Anybody got any of those people on Facebook? They, they kind of float by and try to say nice things, but you know what they really mean? I've got a few Facebook haters. You know, there's some people you just need to love from across church. I see you over there. Hey, some people you need to love from across town. Some people you just need to block from your social media feed. Because the right people, they propel you. The wrong people derail you. And the Bible said in the midst of his brothers, the Bible said the prophet took a horn of oil and dumped it over David's head and anointed him to be the next king of Israel. Now when they anointed in that day, it wasn't like today. It wasn't smell good oil with just a little touch. They dumped it over your head. You were oily. They had matted hair. They smelled like oil. It was stuck to them. Everybody knew that David had been anointed. But here's the true test of, of destiny and purpose and faithfulness. The Bible said David was anointed to be the next king of Israel but went back to the field to watch sheep here's the question can you still watch sheep when you know there's a kingdom in your future can you be faithful in small places when you know God is calling you to the much can you be faithful in the parking lot when you know there's going to be a season where God moves you to the platform but I'll tell you many of you will never get to the platform if you're not faithful in the parking lot if you're not faithful where God has planted you but I find out if you say Lord I know I'm anointed for a kingdom but I'll still watch sheep Bible said he went back to the field to watch sheep and one day he gets a promotion they call for David and he becomes an Uber Eats driver they have Uber Eats here in West Virginia not a lot okay he becomes a delivery driver for food and the Bible says he is given the task to take lunch to his brothers and we're going to pick up reading in verse, chapter 17, verse 1. 
Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Socha, which belonged to Judah. Verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So it was, verse 48, when he, the, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to the, meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. Here's what happens. The Bible said David arrives with lunch. And you know this story. It's the story of David and Goliath. If you've been to Sunday school, you know this story. The Bible said he arrives on the battlefield and here's the problem. His brothers are nowhere to be found. The king's mighty men are nowhere to be found. The Bible says that the king was even in hiding. And the Bible said that David asked this question, is there not a cause? You realize I'm going to be the leader of this kingdom one day. And if you lose the kingdom today, my destiny will be lost. His brothers got upset with him. The same brothers that knew there was a kingly anointing on David's life. The same brothers that knew there was destiny on his life. They said, go back home. You're embarrassed. Well, leave lunch for us, but go back home. David said, is there not a cause? And somehow David got before the king, saw his first introduction to David. This is David from the house of Jesse. And he says he'll fight the, the giant. The Bible said the giant rose and he stood in the valley for 40 days. In the morning and in the night, he would roar. He would speak the demise of the children of God. Now, what you have to understand, it wasn't just a time of the day, but it was the time of Jewish worship. In the morning, in the rising of the sun, and at the setting of the sun. And he knew that if he could separate the people of God from their worship and from their God, they were already defeated. So in the morning, he would roar. In the evening, he would roar. And it's the same tactic the roaring lion does today. He's moving around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if he can ever separate you from communion with God, he knows he has victory over you. But David looked at the king and said, I'll fight the giant. The king said, what entitles you to fight a giant? What, what do you think you can fight? Your brothers won't fight. The mighty men won't fight. I'm not even willing to go out and fight. He's massive. Look at him and his voice. He roars morning and night. David said, I'm not sure, but I do know this. One time in the field of waiting, I was just worshiping, talking to God about God and along came a lion and tried to steal my sheep and another a bear came along and I found out that there was this power that came over me and it delivered me from the hand of the lion and the paw of the bear and I believe the same God that delivered me then can deliver me today. He will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. When he said that, this is what he was saying. He's not in covenant with our God. Who does he think he is coming to our field? The Bible said they tried to put the armor on David, but it didn't fit. Because Saul was tall and David was small in stature. He gave him his sword, said, use my sword. But the Bible said it wasn't tested or it did not fit the hand of David. It had been built for someone tall. It did not work in David's hand. Sometimes in this social media world we live in, we love to wrap ourselves in everybody else's garments. And we try to compare ourselves. And God says, just be the best you. David says, you know, it doesn't work. This armor doesn't fit. The sword doesn't work. So David relied on the gifts that God gave him. And the Bible said before he ever went to a public place of battle, he retreated back to a private place of worship. And the Bible said he knelt down by a brook. 
And in that flowing brook of water, he reached in and found five smooth stones. I'm telling you, if you've ever been to a private brook, you always know there's public victory. If you've ever got revelation in a private brook, you always know that God's at work. If you ever experience him in your private time, you know he's going to do a work in public. In that brook, he reached in and grabbed five stones. And the Bible said he put them in his shepherd's bag. And then he went out on the battlefield. But I believe David knew that it was victory in the bag because the Bible says this, that the giant stepped into a valley called Soka, which meant that belonged to Judah. I'm telling you, David was from the tribe of Judah and the house of Judah. He was connected to the lion of Judah. And David said, oh, you stepped into the wrong valley. When you stepped into that valley, you were already defeated because this valley belongs to my family. God gave us this valley. You should have stepped into the valley of Benjamin. You should have stepped into some other tribe, but you stepped into the tribe of Judah. And the minute you did, you are already defeated. All it took was a worshiper to get into the valley of Judah. All it took was a worshiper to get into the land of Judah. And David rolled in. And you notice before he ever grabbed a rock, the Bible said he started out with the praise because David had a revelation. He knew what how to fight. He knew he couldn't get tangled up with the giant because the giant was much stronger than David. His reach was greater. You have to watch what you get close to. You have to watch what you get tangled up with. David understood the power of projectile warfare. Oh, I can launch a rock from here and defeat a giant over there. I can release a praise from this church and hit my children and hit my spouse and hit my business and hit my I can release a praise and it cover my home today. I can release something from this church and it do a work that is not bound to the walls of this building. David knew. Have you noticed before he ever grabbed a rock, he released a praise. He said, I'm not coming with a sword or a spear. I'm not wrapped in somebody else's armor. Matter of fact, I don't even stand in my own power, but I come to you in the name that is above every name. I rise in the name of the Lord and I believe today will be your last day standing in this valley. And the Bible says this, David reached in the bag. I believe the minute David got up from that brook, he knew it was in the bag. The minute David stepped into that living room under the oil, he knew it was in the bag. I believe long ago in the field of isolation, God already prophetically declared, your destiny is in the bag. So when he rolled out on the battlefield and he reached in the bag, I believe he knew that there was victory in the atmosphere. I've come to tell somebody at Bethesda, it's in the bag. Whatever you've been praying for, whatever you've been believing for, whatever you've been trusting God for, God said, get ready. The answer is on the way. I want, you know, his kingdom is about to come. His will is about to be done. How about putting your hands together for about 10 seconds? Come on, open your mouth, Judah, and give him a praise today. David said, I can release a, I don't even have to get tangled up with you. I can just release a rock, an ordinary rock. And in my declaration, it becomes supernatural. That rock hits the giant. You know this story. It knocks the giant down. And David walks over, takes the sword of Goliath that had glistened in the sun for 40 days, takes the head of the giant, picks the head of the giant up, goes back to the court of Saul and said, is this the voice? Is this the voice that has tormented you for the last 40 days? Is this the voice that caused the mighty men to hide? Is this the voice that caused my brothers to retreat? Is this the voice that spoke the demise of Israel? Is this the voice? I believe David knew when he arrived 
before he ever picked up a rock, before he ever found the, an invitation of the king, he knew that it was in the bag. You know, a few years ago, I was invited on a trip, and it was a trip, uh, it was a trip from the White House. And I'd been to the White House multiple times. Now listen, for me, it's not about Republican or Democrat. It's all about proximity. You can't make change unless you're present. And I was invited, it was by the former administration. The new administration hasn't invited me yet, but, but the former one did. And so I went several times to the White House. But this was a trip actually to the border. And it was with a group of pastors. It was kind of a who's who of pastors. Pastor Chad, it was like Rod Parsley, Jensen Franklin, Sammy Rodriguez, Franklin Graham. I, I, I told the early service, I think there was one spot left. They said, ask that guy in Tampa. Nobody else wants that last spot. Invite him. So they invited me, but when they invited me, I knew it was a, a God moment. You know, sometimes you're looking for a season, but God gives you a moment. But I've come to find if you ever miss the moment, you'll miss the season. But if you grab hold of the right moment, it'll thrust you into a season. I just felt it was a God moment for me. I'm going to ask the musicians to go ahead and get ready to come. I just felt like it was one of those God moments for in my journey. So I booked my ticket, went through Secret Service clearance, uh, you know, got ready to go, and the day came for my trip. And when I got to the airport that day to fly out, I realized that the heavens had become dark and lightning began to fall. When I got into the airport, all the planes had been grounded in Tampa. And I sat there for 45 minutes. Finally, after about 45 minutes, I thought, I'm going to miss my connecting flight because I've come to learn Delta does not wait on me. They just close the door and leave. So I grabbed my phone and I began to look at my app and look at my connecting flight. And I thought, there is no way. I, I tried to look for other flights, no other flights to where I was going. We were leaving early in the morning to go to the border. So I get up to go over to the gate agent to tell the gate agent that I'm just going to stay in Tampa. I don't want to get stuck in the Houston airport. And before I could say anything, the lady behind the gate said, Pastor. Now I didn't know her, but I did not want her to know that. So I said, Sister. She said, Pastor, you don't know me. She said, I've been going to the East Lake campus. We've only been coming for a short time. But she said, Pastor, let me just tell you, the atmosphere of the house is changing the atmosphere of our house. She said, the sermon series we just came out of on faith, she said, it's challenged me and my husband to pray together in faith. So one of our lost sons has already come home. She said, our family is becoming closer. Matter of fact, he's using me to pray with people here at work. And sometimes people are getting on planes and I just feel the Holy Spirit say, just pray over them. They don't even know it. I just pray over them. She said, my name is Jackie. I said, Jackie, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's so encouraging. And then she said, Pastor, what can I do for you? I said, well, Jackie, I was going on this trip with this group of pastors and man, I'm going to miss my connecting flight. I don't want to get stuck in Houston. I think I'm just going to stay in Tampa. She looks at me and said, you're going to make that flight. Now I'm thinking Jackie's going to get on the computer and find another route. I said, Jackie, is there another flight? She said, I'm not sure. I'm going to pray you make it. I'm, I want to look like the man of faith and power. I was like, Jackie, that's awesome. I'm thinking, I've prayed over airlines before. It does not work. I said, Jackie, that is awesome. Praise the Lord. I go sit back down. We sat there another 10 minutes. They let us on the plane. We sat at the gate 15 minutes. Watching my app, there's no way we're going to make it. So I pushed the button, the flight attendant came over. And when he came over, I looked at him and I said, you know, I'm going to grab my stuff, get off the plane. I'm going to get stuck at Houston, miss my connecting flight. I'm in the middle of writing a book called The Door to More. 
right in the middle of writing this book. And when he said what he was about to say, it grabbed hold of my spirit. He said, hurry, I'm getting ready to close the door. I looked at him and said, I guess I'll stay. He comes back over a few minutes later. He said, Mr. Stewart, you'll be all right. I said, are you sure? He said, I'm positive. I said, how can you be sure? Man? Our flight's getting ready to take off. There's no other flights. He said, because the pilot of this plane is the pilot of your next plane. He said, they cannot take off until you arrive. I'll tell you what happened. Me and the pilot, we landed. We didn't, I didn't even get off with everybody else. Me and the pilot walked down a ramp before anybody got off a plane because the pilot was about to time out. So they said, we got to hurry. We walked down a ramp, got in a car. They drove me and the pilot to the next plane. I was on the plane before anybody else. I'll tell you what was happening in my life. I was walking through a season. It wasn't in my church. The church was doing well. It wasn't in my family. The family was doing well. It was a battle going on right here in my mind and in my heart. But right there on that runway, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, Tony, I'm not only flying this leg of the journey. I've got the next leg of the journey and the next leg of the journey and the next leg of the journey. It's in the bag. I've come to West Virginia to tell somebody today, it's in the bag. I don't know what you've been believing for, but it's in the bag. God God's got your children. He's got your finances. He's got your healing. He's got your next season. Come on, jump to your feet all over this room. Put your hands together. Come on, give it praise today. I found out David's greatest battles wasn't with Goliath, a bear, or a lion. David's greatest battles were with himself. That's why he would rise and say, create in me. A clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. And if you do anything, please do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David's greatest battle was not the Philistines or a giant, but it was the man in the mirror. But when you realize that God's got the man in the mirror, He's got you. He's declared you. He's already been where you're going. This alpha God, this omega God, this beginning God, this ending God. The first Sunday of this year, the first Sunday of the year, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, this will be the year of the prodigal. I'm going to bring sons and daughters home. I'm going to bring children home. I'm going to bring grandchildren home. I'm going to bring spouses home. But two weeks ago, I was in Knoxville speaking at fire conference. And I'm telling you, it was just one of those moments where it felt like the atmosphere was weighty with God's glory. And I gave the altar call, hundreds and hundreds of people. You couldn't even get in the altars. It was so crowded. You couldn't even pray with people. It was so crowded. I was just praying over them. It was like God was just resting over that place. And so I went back over here in the corner after I turned the service back to pastor. And the Holy Spirit said, take a snapshot of this moment. I don't know why I did. I just took my phone out, took a snapshot. And I said, now go get the mic back from the pastor and tell people to take a snapshot of this moment. Because this is going to be a marking moment. They're going to look back at this moment. Second Kings, he told the woman, he said, get ready this time next year. You're going to have a son. She said, man of God, do not lie to me. You realize I've already given up on this. But the next verse says, at the appointed It's in the bag. But God spoke to me in that moment as when I grabbed the mic back 
He said, I'm not only going to bring lost sons and daughters home, but I'm getting ready to renew vision and bring dreams home and things that have been dropped along the journey. People have given up on things people have lost. So I've come to tell you this morning, it's in the bag. Whatever you're believing for, it's in the bag. Let faith rise up. Let your declaration be bold. Because you're the one. You're the one God knew had an assignment for this season. You know, I travel a lot. And I was running through the airport the other day. We're going to pray. I'm going to let you go. But I was running through the airport the other day, and I had a crick in my neck. Anybody ever a crick in their neck? I kind of looked sideways like Frankenstein, you know. And I turned to talk. And I was going through, and I saw a chiropractor in a little in a little corner in Atlanta Airport, Terminal A. So I stopped, and I talked to the lady. She said, $59 for an adjustment. I said, okay. She cracked me and aligned me. You know, I find that every season of assignment requires a season of alignment. And then I began to talk to the lady. I said, it's so peculiar, kind of odd to see a chiropractor station here in the airport. She said, they're popping up everywhere, all the major cities. I said, really? She said, yes. She said, because here's this. She said, because we found out travelers that carry baggage easily get out of alignment. I said, that was worth the $59 right there. When I'm in the field, when I'm on the throne, when I'm fighting the battle, there's these things that try to pull me up, but the Holy Spirit keeps saying, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one. It's in the bag. The promise is in the bag. Your family's in the bag. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and be ready to lead us in a song. But if you're here today and you're believing for a breakthrough, a miracle, I'm not going to lay my hands on you, but I'm going to come into agreement. Here the Bible said. The Bible said the valley belonged to Judah. It was already theirs. A giant tried to step into it, but it had already been set for Judah. It was already assigned to Judah. And David knew that he was of the tribe of Judah. If you ever get the revelation that God gave it to you, he gave you those children. He gave you those grandchildren. He gave you that assignment. He gave you that place. The minute you step into it, not only has he given it to you, but he's given you dominion. That's where you can put the enemy on notice not this house not these kids not this moment it's already been covered and anointed but he could not defeat the giant until he stepped into the valley but the minute he stepped in he looked across the valley and said I'm not even going to get tangled up but I'm going to put you on notice today is your last day you will never roar again in this valley and he pulled out an ordinary rock and put it in an ordinary sling and all of a sudden there was a supernatural God that began to work I want to pray over you today I don't know what you're believing for it may be small it may be a mountain but as they begin to sing, if you're believing for something in this season, I want you to come and step into the valley with me. I want you to come and stand in this altar with me today. And I'm just going to pray over you and join my faith with you today. I believe giants are about to fall. I believe prodigals are getting out of the mire. I believe God's getting ready to release a revelation of dreams and visions. I believe God's getting ready to speak to you that you're the one. You've been assigned for this season. So as they begin to sing, I just want you to step out. Come on, David, step into the valley of Judah today. Step into this moment of promise today.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.